Amen. You've had uh, three, like you said, three incredible speakers. I'm not sure what you got today, but um, I'm here regardless. It's good to see you. Good morning. How are you doing? Everybody good? I'll bring you a Merry Christmas from College Grove and uh, so thankful to be here. Uh, honestly, uh, very humbled uh, to be here. Uh, it's always a joy and, a, and uh, a humbling thing to be able to stand in and to uh, fill the pulpit for Pat. Um, and so I'm very thankful to do that, to be able to serve the church in this way. And so if you have a Bible, I wanna ask you to grab that. Go ahead and make your way over to Luke chapter one. I don't know if you're like me when you walked in today and you saw the Christmas trees and you, you know, if you were here with us last week, you saw it as well. And just walking in the, uh, the um, lobby this morning, walking down the hallways, like the halls are decked here and I trust they are in your home as well, I know I was talking to one of our staff members who still doesn't have his Christmas tree up. He's a scrint, he's a, a Grinch, Scrooge. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I come in the I come in the room and I see the uh, I see the halls decked, I see the lights on, and and uh, if you're like me, man, I just light up. Like this time of year is just something I, I look forward to uh, so often. There's something about probably being put out of the college football playoff that gets you looking forward to Christmas. You know, uh, for all my Tennessee fans um, and Alabama, sorry, uh, but. Um, You'll probably get in some way, but anyway, <laughs> I've got to throw those jokes where I can, you know? It's just so easy, slow hanging fruit. But sometime after uh, Halloween, like when the, when the pumpkins, you know, are, are kind of, uh, lights are going out, the pumpkins and like the, the kids coming and just raid my home and take all of the candy out of the jar and we like shut the porch light off so no one else comes by. Uh, about that time, in my home at least, we start leaning towards Christmas. Anybody in here like been looking forward to Christmas for a while, right? Like if, if, if you're in the same camp, man, there's something about this season, I guess it just gets me excited just as quickly as I can, man. I start, uh, you know, just kind of dripping in some of those, uh, those Christmas um, songs in my playlist. I'm writing sermons in the office. I got Mariah Carey going on in there and uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. And I, I start, man, just making my way through just, uh, all the Home Alones, that's like my jam. All the Home Alones last night, I was watching uh, Christmas Vacation and just laughing, it's, it's hilarious. And, uh, and just, as, just as, uh, as quick as I can locate and begin to stockpile those Little Debbie Christmas tree cakes, anybody, amen? If you don't know, now you know, right? Oh man, just incredible, incredible. I started leaning towards, I love this season. There's something about it that just really, uh, man, gets me excited. And if you've been on the roads for any time, uh, this this uh, last couple weeks, you see that I'm not alone, right? Like there's a certain intensity, there's a certain speed, I believe, to the season. Uh, it just gets people moving. There's an excitement in the air. There's a, a joy in the air. There's people going. We've got lists to, to, to make our way through. We've got parties to attend. Many of us would say we, we simply survived the Christmas season, right? There's just so much to get done and not a lot of time to do it. And we're just going and we've got, you know, we've got uh, things to get and uh, halls to deck and all of that kind of stuff. And I guess what I wanted to open up this morning this way, because as I consider the Christmas season, even in my own life, and I think about just Christmas in general, uh, and this morning, even as we kick off this Christmas, um, this Christmas series together, I think there's a real danger for us. I think it's quite possible that we can really get going and we can kind of get caught up in the wave and the intensity and the movement and the speed of the season. We can check all of the lists and we can deck all of the halls and we can go to all of the parties and we can really just, and, and, and having a good time doing it, watch all the movies, right? And at the end of it all, find that we really made the entire season 
about ourselves. That really our Christmas experience was inward facing and ultimately terminated on our own homes and in our own lives and our own experience. But what I wanna do this morning, really through this series, what we're gonna contend with you is that if, if, if we begin to peel off some of the cultural narratives of Christmas and really look at Christmas through the lens of scripture, it's really not so much what's really never meant to be a series that, a season that terminates on ourselves, but one that was meant to be multiplied, a message that was meant to be multiplied. At the heart of Christmas, church, listen to me, is a, is a call for the church to go. It's really a, a call for us to take something that we've received and to take it to the corners of the earth as we are caught up in the adoration of this season. This is exactly why we're calling this series, Go Tell It on the Mountain, because we want you to come and to, to sing the songs that we just sung. We want you to watch the movies. We want you to deck your halls. We want you to go and do the things and give the gifts and attend the parties and survive the season. And we want you to have a great time in your families. But what we ultimately want is that our as we come and as we're marveling in the season as we're caught up in the, uh, just the, the feel, the electricity of Christmas, that it would turn to fuel that moves our church with the greatest news ever told, that we would go and tell it on the mountain, that we would go to our workplace, that we would go to our neighbors, that we would invite people into what we're experiencing this Christmas, and that we would make sure that we multiplied the message that we've received. So we're saying, go tell it on the mountain. And every week, we're gonna talk about one aspect of the Christmas uh, message, the Christmas story um, that we should be telling. And so this morning, what I want you to see is that when we look at Christmas, when we consider the Christmas story through Luke's gospel, what we see is a message that we should tell to the world that nothing is impossible with God. You believe that? If you would, I wanna ask you to stand as we honor God's word together this morning. We believe that God's word is holy and inerrant. We believe it is our only source of truth in a world that is diluted with a lot of false and fake news and false ideas. This is our standard of truth that we stand on. And so this morning, I wanna read Luke chapter one, verse 26 through, 50, uh, through 38, sorry. And uh, at the end of it, I'm gonna say, this is the word of the Lord, because we believe that to be true. And I'm gonna ask if you believe that, you say, thanks be to God, all right? Luke 1, verse 26 says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the same and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. 
for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. You know, when I think about the holiday season, uh, at least in, in our home, we have a couple traditions. And one of those is we, uh, we head east to Granny's house. And uh, I don't know if you've got something like that where you go to Granny's and uh, we do. And, um, and uh, one of the things I love about my wife uh, is uh, just the, the, the dynamic of her home. Uh, of her family, it was one of the things that uh, I quickly like was in love with about her, not just her, but that, that you know, the whole package that she brought into the marriage, uh, one of, that of which was her family. It was very different than mine. Her entire family really lives in one town. Um, I mean, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, her mom and her dad, and everybody lives in the same town just outside of Knoxville, a little town called Kingston. Um, and, uh, and so we, we'll, head, we'll head east, and we did that for, for Thanksgiving, and we'll do that again at Christmas. And one of the things that's amazing about uh, our Thanksgiving um, tradition that we have is when we go into Granny's, it is utter chaos, right? I mean, like, um, it seems as though the kids multiply every year. Like, uh, you know, you're coming in in this home, and there's over 30 people in it. You go into the kitchen to kind of graze before the main, uh, you know, event, and uh, it, all my guys know what I'm talking about. And uh, we're going in there just picking the little things that they've already have together, and the, the ladies are finishing up the meal, and they're pulling stuff out of the oven, and they're handing stuff to each other, and you're just like kind of making your way through, swim moving where you can to get uh, a little, uh, you know, a, a, a sausage ball, whatever you can, um, and, and then head back out into the living room where football's on, and there's kids, you're getting shot in the neck with Nerf guns, and I mean, it's just utter chaos, right? I mean, kids everywhere. My daughter sat down on the couch with me this year. I remember uh, I was watching the game. She sat down. She said, Daddy, who is that? I'm like, I have no idea. Never seen him before in my life. No idea. I'm not even sure that they know. Uh, anyway, uh, it's, it's, just, it's just chaos. But then I was, as I was thinking about this um, this week, it's also very beautiful. It's beautiful to be surrounded by family. It's beautiful to have the loved ones around you for the holidays, it's beautiful uh, to, to have tradition that we celebrate in this season, but it is utter chaos. It's a beautiful chaos. And when I think about Luke's gospel here, when we come to the Christmas story, I think this is exactly what we encounter. Beautiful chaos. The virgin birth, Jesus Christ, the Christ child, the advent of the Son of God coming into the world to redeem a people, beautiful. Through a virgin birth, chaos, utter chaos. It's beautiful chaos. And I think one of the things that, that's true for us at Christmas, it really amplifies our ability, I think, to uh, sit in the beauty and behold the beauty of Christmas when we first deal with the chaotic scene that set the stage for it that set the stage for Christ's advent. Luke first doesn't tell us, like when he, when he begins his gospel uh, account of the Christmas story, it doesn't start with a silent night that we're all like accustomed to seeing, like this, this moment of serenity. That's not what you really step into when you come to the Christmas story through Luke's gospel. What you start with is the mess before the manger. Right? Look at verse 26 and 27. I wanna show this to you. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, this is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And uh, he goes on to say that the angel Gabriel was sent 
from God. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. I just wanna pause for a moment because something significant was just said. It's in a little detail here that the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Church, I don't know if you know this, but Christmas begins and ends with God. Christmas begins and ends with God. Hang on to that. He was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. Verse 27 says, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. You see, when this story begins, again, it doesn't come to us packaged nicely and neatly. It comes to us with an announcement that shatters all expectations. No one saw this coming, right? No one saw this coming. It really brings into clarity the chaos of Christmas I'm talking about. The text says that this angel Gabriel, the same Gabriel, by the way, who shows up in the Old Testament to Daniel and shows up in chapter one of Luke to uh, Zechariah, now shows up to Mary and he says it's sent that he was sent from God. Sent from God with a message and this message has an address, an address that no one here would have thought. No one would have forecasted this. I want you to think about it. We've just gotten done walking through the book of Colossians. We've been talking about some of the most Christological, beautiful, high, Jesus-exalting text in all of the New Testament. If the same, if you think about this, the same God who hung every star in the sky, who breathed and Mount Everest was there, who put every ocean in its place and gave it its limits, the same God who holds every cell together in your body this morning, a sovereign God who has authored all life and set all of our days, if that God was to send a message to someone who would you expect it to be? Well, if you're like me, I would think he's gonna send it to an influencer, right, in a big city. That, that's who God's gonna send this message to, to a, someone with a platform, with a public following, right? So that this message would be multiplied in that way in a place where it would have been much easier. He may have sent it to a religious leader, right, a religious elite in a holy place, but that's not what we find. When you step into the Christmas story, what we find is that God sent Gabriel to a virgin, a peasant girl in a no-name town. I love what Martin Luther once wrote about as he comments about this, the, the chaos surrounding the Christmas story. I want you to see this. Um, we may have it on the screen. I don't know if we will or not. Uh, he says this. He says, he might have gone to Jerusalem. Might have gone to Jerusalem and picked out Caiaphas's daughter, the high priest there. Uh, who was fair and rich and clad in gold, embroidered uh, garments and attended by a, a plethora of maids in waiting. That's what you would have expected, right? But Martin Luther says this, look at what he says. He says, but God preferred a lowly maid from a mean town. He preferred a lowly maid from a mean town. God could have sent his son into the world through prominence and nobility, but church, he chose humility. This is the way that God tends to work through unexpected means. And this becomes very vivid that this story is couched in chaos, especially when we look at the announcement and the second point I wanna show you. But before I do that, I just wanna say this morning to you that perhaps you're here. I don't, I don't know every story in the room. I, I know some of the things that are going on in our church. I was even getting texts last night from um, 
a lady in our church whose father had a stroke and she's you know, heading to uh, St. Louis the hospital there. He's got bleeding on his brain and I was praying with them and I was just thinking about the, the, it's the timing of all of this around the holidays. And, and, I, and I know that some of you step in here today and you've got things going on in your life. You've got news that you've received this past week. You've got reports that you're trying to cope with. You've got family dynamics that are just really amplified in the season that we find ourselves And maybe this is a season and a time that a situation you wouldn't have forecasted for yourself. You find yourself in a situation that you would have never expected. I want you to remember that Christmas begins and ends with God. And maybe, just maybe, that God wants to bring beauty out of the chaos in your life right now. Maybe he wants to bring beauty out of it. Hold on. So you see the situation surrounding Christmas, beautiful chaos. And then I want you to see the announcement that uh, Mary receives, that really the content of the body of this message uh, in verse 28 through 33. And this is a point I'm calling the Annunciation. I'll tell you why in a second. It says this, and he came to her and he says this, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now watch what Mary does. She, she's greatly troubled at the saying and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb, you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. I love, I love, I love what Gabriel downloads for her. And this text that I just uh, read to you is, is called, um, throughout church history, has been called the Annunciation. It's a Latin word that means to bring good news. And, and listen, when Gabriel speaks this to Mary, that's exactly what he does. He, he brings good news that Jesus Christ, the one who is stepped out of glory to, to take on human form, the, 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 the flesh that, that, that glory has put on flesh and dwelt among us to come and save a people who could not save themselves. That is good news. Mary, that you are gonna be the mother of the Lord most high and he's gonna have a, a kingdom that is so expansive, there is no end to it. That's good news, right? When he says to her, uh, hey, Mary, you're gonna have a son, his name, you don't have to worry about his name. I've got it picked out for you. It's gonna be Jesus means savior. That's good news, right? This is, this is the good news that we want our families anchored on and centered on at Christmas. This, this is why we light up the house around the holidays. This is why we deck the halls. This is why we, we come and we gather and we sing the songs that we sing because of this good news. But let me just say this to you. To a virgin betrothed in this day, this is not a Merry Christmas. You gotta understand, Mary, it says, was troubled at the same. Well, why? Why was she troubled? Well, you were told that she is uh, betrothed to a man. And this day, betrothal is like um, engagement 2.0. It's like uh, engagement on steroids. Like, in fact, in this day, legally to break off a betrothal required a divorce. And so it's a big deal to, to, to be betrothed in this day and, to, and, to, and to, be, uh, to be found pregnant 
would have, would have been uh, something that would have flipped her world completely upside down. Not only that, but Joseph, the love of her life, could have told her to kick dust and, and she could have made her home on the streets. In the very least, her reputation was about to be smeared all over town and she was gonna be financially destitute, probably begging for the rest of her life. This was the situation that Mary was staring down. A 12 to 14 year old girl, most commentators agree, she was 12 to 14 years old. This 12 to 14 year old girl at this moment, looking forward to her wedding day, looking forward to stepping into the future with her betrothed husband-to-be and faithfully following the Lord. In a moment, God interrupts her story with, the, with this message of the incarnation of Christ. And it just completely turns everything upside down. Remember the key detail in that. In verse 27, it says that she's a virgin. And, and then Gabriel says, and to a virgin, she's going to conceive in her womb. You gotta understand what, what the angel is, uh, is telling her is something that is impossible right? Like, it's not computing, Gabriel, what you're saying. It's about to cost me more than I'm willing to pay. It's about to take me further than I'm willing to go, and I don't understand how it's all going to work out. So why Mary said to the angel, how will this be? How will this be? I, I'm a virgin. How will this be? From a scientific space, this is defiant news, right? For, from a medical angle, this makes Zero sense, and all, and, all, and all common sense together says no way. This is an impossibility that you're talking about here. So how will this be? How will this be? Look at what Gabriel says in the third point as he explains this to him. It says this in verse 35. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Holy Spirit power will Conceive a child in your womb, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Gabriel makes something unbelievably clear for us this morning that God had not made a mistake. Gabriel didn't show up to the wrong home and, and find a virgin and say, oh, well, this will have to work. That's not how this worked out. It was God's plan before the beginning of time to step into the world through the means and through the doorway of impossibility. God's plan was to bring his son into the world through the virgin birth. And the virgin birth might have defied all human logic, right? It, it, it literally might have, um, uh, it might have defied all logic, but what, what Gabriel shows us here is that God is not limited to what we find as logical, right? He, he's not, when we say something is impossible, and he was absolutely uh, painting, a, 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 painting a picture of impossibility, the virgin birth, right? A, a, a child conceived through a virgin birth, impossibility, from all human logic. But what Gabriel reminds us of at Christmas is that God is not limited to our logical space and what we deem as an impossibility is something that we're saying is outside of our capacity to understand. It's outside of our ability to make sense of. 
right? That's, that's literally what it means. It's outside of our reach. It's outside of our capacity. It's outside of our, uh, our ability to comprehend. It's impossible, not possible for us. Listen, um, I've got a neighbor who uh, is like the modern day Clark Griswold, like seriously. Um, the guy, I love him to death. He's done my taxes for years. He's on our cul-de-sac and um, at, like, at Halloween, let me just paint this picture. At Halloween, he takes the door off of his garage and turns his garage into a haunted house. Uh, he, he, he and his wife and her sisters, they dress up like the Sanderson sisters and like whatever, Billy Bones, whatever guy's name is from Hocus Pocus. Like, they, I mean, he's all in. They, they light up the house. They've got like permanent LED holiday lights installed in the uh, soffit work of their house, like underneath their gutters. Um, and like, like at Thanksgiving, there were turkeys dancing on the side of his home. Right now, there are like six foot tall snowmen lining his driveway. Literally, like this is what this is who I'm dealing with. My my daughter always sees it when we pull into my house, um, and, and there's no lights on the outside of it. And we pulls in, and she pulls, we pull in, and she says to me all the time, like, "Daddy, when are we gonna when are we gonna light our house like Mr. Richards?" And I'm like, "We're not, because you pay attention in a month, Mr. Richard has to do something with all the snowmen, right? He, I get to watch him for a month take it all down." Right? It's, it's outside of my capacity. It's outside of my budget. It's outside of my, my willingness or my care, quite honestly. And, and this is what we're talking about when we come to this uh, objection of how will this be and, and this impossibility that's rolling around in the mind of Mary. It's, it doesn't seem logical, Gabriel. It doesn't seem possible. But Gabriel challenges all of the objections that she brings and all of our objections this morning when we think about the impossible things in our lives when he says that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. I don't know what that thing is, that impossible thing is in your life, but maybe today you've not been able to make sense of it and you've been wringing your hands in it, and you've been struggling in the midst of it, you can't see a way out of it. Maybe this morning, I just wanna breathe some hope over this church for a second, that nothing in your life, nothing is impossible with God. There's no, there's no cancer that can't be healed. There's no marriage that can't be restored. There's no home that can't be healed, mended. There's no heart that can't be restored. Nothing is impossible with God. I love what Spurgeon says. He says, difficulty is not a word to be found in the dictionary of heaven. Nothing can be impossible with God. You see, why does this matter? because God would bring his son into the world through a virgin womb. And because he was conceived this way, because he was conceived this way, not only would Jesus lack the stain of inherited sin and, and actually be able to lay down a sacrifice on our, uh, in our stead as a substitute to satisfy the wrath of God because God is holy and perfect, right? Not only is that true because he, he, he worked in this means, but the, the virgin birth would stand forever as a testimony to the powerful working of God. 
You see, yes, when we look at the virgin birth, we, we, we can't depart from it. It is absolutely a matter of theological importance, first importance. If you don't hold to the virgin birth, then there is no salvation. But there is no forgiveness of sins. We don't need to light trees. We need to go work hard. But we have hope and we have peace. Everything that these candles are, are, are showing us are, are beacons to remind us that we have all of that because Christ did come through a virgin birth, because he did live a sinless life. He did go to the cross. He did lay down his life. He was laid in a tomb because he was truly dead and he was resurrected in glory. And because he was sinless and because he did step into our world through impossibility, the virgin birth is a beacon of reminder for you always that no matter what you're staring down, no matter what impossibility you see, that God is not limited by it. There's always hope. There's always there's hope for your marriage. There's hope for your home. There's hope in the healing. There's hope. There's no trial he cannot turn into a testimony and no impossibility that's staring us down that he cannot turn into a reason for praise this morning. You see, the virgin birth is a reminder that nothing is impossible with God. But I wanna, I wanna show you how Mary responds to this news. And I think it's a beautiful model for, for us in this room together this morning. Look at verse 38. This is, I'm calling the declaration. This is exactly what she does. So she says, behold, to, to this news that nothing is impossible with God, this news that had shattered her uh, her world had turned her uh, everything about her life and her plan and her you know her dreams for herself upside down. And this reminder that nothing is impossible with God. To that, Mary says to Gabriel, "Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word." I want you to do something for me. If you if you're taking any kind of notes today, I want you to underline this three words here: "Let it be." Let it according to your word. The passage ends here with a declaration of faith from Mary, a declaration of faith and, and, and an admission to her personal submitted heart before God. And although the, the message of Christ coming to the world didn't make sense to Mary, and it, and it absolutely reframed everything she imagined for herself, she never wavered, did she? She never wavered. She didn't buckle underneath this. And I believe verse 38 tells us why. I believe this passage tells us what it was about Mary. What, 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 what was it about Mary that, that gave her such hope, such stability before this news? You see, verse 38, she says, I'm a servant of the Lord. You see, Mary understood that before she was the mother of Jesus, before she was to be the one who would bring the Christ child into the world. I mean, if, there, if there's a title that you wanna take on and like, you know, flaunt a little bit, it's like mother of Jesus. Like that, hit me up. Like, that, that's what you wanna claim, right? That's not what she did. What did she say? Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. See, Mary understood before she was gonna be the mother of Jesus, she was first a servant of the Lord. 
That's true of your life today. Do you know that? Whatever title you find yourself holding, a doctor, dentist, a father, mother, baseball player, a son, grandparent, a GG, <laughs> papaw, all the things we're so proud of, right? Before you're any of those things, you're first, if you're in Christ, a servant of the Lord. Mary understood that, and that was a game changer. It changed everything for her. She understood, I am a servant of the Lord. I see God for who he is. She had a very big view of God. She had a huge God. And because she had such a view of God, when the angel said to her, nothing will be impossible for your God, she didn't waver underneath that. Yeah, but she didn't bring any of that to him. What did she say? Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. I don't understand how this is gonna play out. I don't, I don't really comprehend how this is gonna work together. I can't make sense of it, Gabriel. Yeah, but what's that gonna look like? And what are people gonna think? And what's it gonna cost me? She could have brought all of those objections, but what did she do? Let it be according to your word. And this is why family discipleship is so important. This is why what we're doing around Advent with those books is so important. You're not, you're not just participating in something with your church. Like our, our family, we do this, and I've got a six-year-old daughter, and man, it, it is utter chaos, right? right we're just, just sit down. I'm trying to do the blessing over the family, right? And, and it, sometimes that can be defeating, but what I'm having to remind myself of is, no, I, I'm trying to give my daughter a bigger view of Jesus that one day when she's met with something that's bigger than her, she'll say, I don't understand it. It don't make a whole lot of sense. It's gonna cost her a ton. Let it be. Let it be, Lord. That, that, that's what really what we need in this next generation, I believe. Where, where the world's heading and the craziness of our society is just spiraling. And that's why it's so important what's happening in, in our next-gen departments across our campuses. Man, it's like we are giving our kids a bigger frame by which to see Jesus. Your Lord is so big. He's in control. You don't have to understand it all, but his word is truth. You stand on it. And so this morning, let me just ask this to you. I believe that God is, his word doesn't return void. That's what it tells us. And so, Right now, there's probably something in your life that God is potentially calling you to. There's a step of obedience he's calling you to take. There's something he's calling you to step into. And yes, absolutely, we could bring all the objections, but it's gonna cost me too much. Maybe it's financial faithfulness. Maybe it's marital health right now for you. Maybe it's a confession that needs to happen within your home and you know that if I do this, there will be trust broken, there'll be a long, hard road ahead. Maybe for you, it, it's, it's just to begin serving, to really begin, stop dating the church and commit to it. What, what, what is God calling you to? What is your let it be this morning? What is your let it be? I think it be, could be possible to let all the objections 
paralyze you and keep you where you are. And, and, and maybe you've been doing a good job of that week after week after week, but maybe this morning for the first time, God gives you a bigger vision of who he is, of who his son is, of, what he, of his faithfulness, of his goodness, of the things that we've been singing. Maybe today for the first time you say, I'm, I'm, I don't know how this is gonna work out, but I know God is good. I know he is faithful. So I'm gonna let it be. I'm gonna let it be. What is that in your life? What is it in your life? You know, Mary loved God. She had such a big view of God that she believed that nothing was impossible for him. Nothing was impossible for him. You know, the story goes on in verse, uh, in, in Luke one, the band's gonna come. We're gonna move into a time of response and I love how this story ends. I didn't read it to you because I don't wanna give you, you know, the, I don't wanna give you the end before we get to it. Um, but the, the story goes on that, that uh, in, in, in the very next part of that passage, that Mary, it says, in those days, she, uh, she make, with haste, it says, she goes to uh, Elizabeth's home. You know, right in the middle of that text that we read, there's a, there's a verse there that's just kind of sandwiched in the middle of a conversation between Gabriel and Mary, and then Gabriel just drops this nugget in there about, oh yeah, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth is, uh, is going to conceive a child in her womb. Now, it won't be, it won't be conceived of the Holy Spirit. God, God the Holy Spirit, is not gonna put this child in, in, uh, in her womb the way he will yours, Mary, uh, but by natural means, in her old age, she's lived a life of barrenness and God's going to give her a child. And Mary, with haste, says, runs to Elizabeth and begins to download all that God has done, right? Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the mother of Jesus. God's gonna put a child in my womb and, and he's put a child in your womb through, you know, in your late, in your old age, you've, you've, you've been able to have a child and, and it begins to just download with just adoration, with just wonder of all that God has done and all that he will do. And then what happens in the very next thing is that she just erupts in song, doesn't she? It's called the Magnificat. She just begins to just erupt about the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and how he's looked on the lowly estate. Oh, he's blessed her. And she just begins to just magnify the Lord. And I thought about that this week. I was like, man, that is a beautiful, beautiful picture of the vision of this series for our church, the vision of Christmas for our church, for families to step into. Because look, we, we could say, hey, look, nothing is impossible with God. Now, here's a campaign. If you do this many things, we'll give you so many candy canes. And we could do some creative thing and, 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 or guilt you. Why aren't you telling people? Why aren't you inviting people over and telling them about the Christmas story? Why aren't you doing that? that? That could be something that we could do. But listen, effective evangelism, effective sharing of the gospel doesn't happen through guilt and campaigns. It doesn't sustain. You know what moves people what moves people to those who have never heard, what moves people to share about the goodness of God in their own life when they see it for themselves, when they marvel at it. 
when they adore God, when they're caught up in it. So that's my prayer this morning. I, I don't know, again, your story, I don't know what you bring into this room with you. My prayer is that you would see Jesus. And that this Christmas season, that your family together would, would begin to open your eyes to the bigness, to the beauty, to the goodness, to the faithfulness, to the sovereignty of God who has no limitations, who moves despite possibilities. And that that marveling that you're caught up in this season would move you out. It would move you to go and tell the world, to open your home to your neighbors, to talk to a coworker across the line at Nissan, to, to, to go to the, the next cubicle or, or to the next locker or whatever that looks like, and just, and just begin to share what God is doing in your life, what God has done in Christ. That's what sustains. That's what moves us out. That's how the gospel goes to the ends of the earth. It's just out of the overflow of what God has done in our lives today. So the band's gonna lead us in a song here. I'm gonna pray, and it's in a moment. What I wanna do, I wanna open up this space here in the front. No one's gonna be, they're gonna have an army of people to receive you. I, what I wanna do for you today is to say, what is, what is the let it be in your life this morning? What's God calling you to? Some of you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and so your let it be is, God, I don't know what this looks like. I've been doing a really poor job of trying to be God of my own life, and I realize that I cannot. I can't save myself. I can't clean myself up. But because of Christ, I don't have to. And maybe today you come down here and you just say, Lord, here I am. Here's, here's my fear. Here's my doubt. I don't understand it, but according to your word, Lord, let it be. Let it be. Maybe you need to sit with your spouse. You need to pray and say, God, this, this Christmas for the first time, we're gonna step into something that we've never, we're gonna begin reading the, the scripture together. We're gonna go into this Advent. We really begin stepping into leading and discipling our, our family. Maybe there's a confession that needs to happen with your spouse. Say, this is where I've been unfaithful and, and I know I'm scared and I know that this doesn't make sense, but we're gonna get help and we have people that would love to help you there. I'll be out in the back. We'd love to receive you. But as, as they play, I'm gonna pray. I wanna ask you, just be faithful. Just be faithful. Who do you see God to be? Maybe this morning you just need to open your eyes to see God for who he truly is, the same way that Mary saw. And let marveling move you. Well, Father, I love you. And God, we do, we, we come to you right now. And God, we are just amazed by who you are. We, we tell this story, it's a familiar story. Odds are everyone in this room has heard it at least once. God, I pray that as we, uh, we come to what is routine for us, God, we come to a familiar text and something that could be mundane for us this morning. I pray, God, that what we saw in the pages of Scripture is a reminder that there is nothing impossible for you. You are bigger than our imaginations, God. You can do far exceedingly more than we ever could imagine, Father. God, I pray that you would just blow the doors off of our, uh, our, our um, the way that we see you, the way we, can, we, we think about you. 
God, we wouldn't put you in a box because it doesn't make sense to us. We wouldn't put you in a box because we can't see past tomorrow. We can't see past this next doctor's appointment, Father, but we would trust you for who you are because we understand you're a big God and there is nothing impossible for you. God, I pray that as you expand our lens to see you rightly, God, we would be willing to do the hard things you call us to. We would go to our neighbors. We would set a plan for how we're gonna begin investing into people around us, God. We would confess and we would repent and we would deal with sin in our lives. And God, we would step into the difficult spaces of things you're calling us to be faithful to, God, simply because we adore you. We adore you, so we give to you, we serve you, we, we tell people about you. Not out of guilt, but out of adoration, Father. You are good. Let us be reminded of that this Christmas. I pray you would move in the hearts of your people. In your name we pray.